Thank you, worship team, for leading us, for pressing through. Uh, as I was preparing for this Sunday, I uh, kept coming back to a word. The guitar's not done worshiping. It's just going to keep going. I'd be fine with that. I'm always good for, for extra. I, I kept coming back to, to just like a, a word that our staff shared together. We we get together a few times a year and just like spend extended time listening to Jesus and then sharing together what he's saying and praying. And a lot of times out of that, we, we get kind of a good sense of what God is doing in our people. And uh, the last time we got together, I recorded it. So I listened to that last week and the Lord was just stirring my heart, reminding me of just kind of a, a word about Staying focused. Sorry, I'm, this thing is kind of wobbling all over me. It's used to John's ear, not mine. But how no matter what is going on, there is always hope and purpose. Still. And, you know, we're living in some, some crazy days right now. I mean, would you agree, right? I mean, between the surge in COVID cases and, you know, the constant, constant argument over vaccines or masks and uh, the polarizing feel that that gives off, the Afghanistan news, and just the general division and disunity of our nation, we can sometimes find ourselves feeling uh, overwhelmed or riddled with fear or anxiety or confused or enraged. And some days, all of them, <laughs> you know, sometimes in one day you can feel all of those things. And so then if you just throw in like a personal struggle, like a relational issue, a health battle, then like it just all feels too much. It's like, why you cry when the sound system doesn't work. It's because it's not about the sound system, you know? But it's like the tipping point of like, ah, everything is crazy and it feels so much. So what are we supposed to do? Because here's the thing is like everyone I talk to, I, I spend time I, with a lot of you even on the phone and we have these conversations and it's like, ugh. You know, if one of us didn't get one more call about someone with COVID, it wouldn't come too soon. Not, nobody would cry in here if we never knew anyone else that got COVID ever again, right? So all of these things, and, and, and it's just the chatter in the air. And see, what's happening is there's an atmosphere shift happening, I believe, in our nation, in our city, where there's this constant chatter of things that are distracting that are inciting fear in people and anxiety and anger. And there's, there's these threats that we begin to feel. And then, it, it, you know, when you, when you go through something stressful, it ignites fight or flight. And you can see real quick which one people are on, you know. 
like, you just look around, you either see, like, the people are like, rah, and that I am right, and my point of view is right, and I'm going to fight you to the death over it. And then you have a whole bunch of people who are like, I'm just going to go away. I'm out. I'll just put my head in the sand till it's all over. Some of you are laughing because you know. But see, I, I just, I, I felt so strongly that the Lord wants to speak into this. Because we don't have to live this way. We don't. That doesn't mean that I'm going to get to control anything. Has anybody noticed any time recently that when you try to control someone else, it never works? That's because on a good day, the only person you can control is yourself. So what are we going to do? If I can't magically change all of the things happening in our world, in our city, in my brain, what am I going to do? What are we going to do as the people of God? We have to focus and we have to praise. I believe that's the answers. See, the people of God do have the ability to shift the atmosphere. We don't have to, we don't, I don't have to live with all of the chatter of the world dictating my emotional state. I don't have to just like live my life on a tipping point of a meltdown every single day because the world is a wreck. There's a place for the people of God where in our spirits, we should always be at peace, joy, and hope. That those things should always be inside of us. If those things are not inside of you, that is a clear indication that you need to come back. Because if you're a believer in Jesus, that's your inheritance. In your spirit, you should be full of peace, joy, and hope. And there's times, even this week, when I've just had to be like, I, I am siding with hopelessness right now. Because if I scroll through social media for very long, everything looks hopeless. And it's real easy to subtly agree with all that the enemy is, is doing around us. Afghanistan, hopeless. COVID, hopeless. Government, hopeless. All of it, right? You get on social media, you just scroll through, you can just cry about everything. You can just cry for days. Not that we shouldn't. Listen, our hearts should be breaking for the church in Afghanistan and what's happening. So hear me out. I'm not saying... It's fine. Everything's fine. Just ignore it. No, I'm like, we're going to feel God's heart. I believe Jesus is crying over what's happening in Afghanistan. What I'm saying is if everything is consuming me to the point that I look at it through a lens of hopelessness or fear or anxiety, then I've lost the perspective of heaven. Then I'm not looking at, looking at it through Jesus's eyes. Because Jesus doesn't look at any of these things and freak out. He is not like going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? This is so awful, these people. It's hopeless. Jesus never has that perspective. And so I have to catch my own heart to say, Jesus, I repent for partnering with hopelessness and I refuse. I refuse to go there because you're still the hope of the world. The good news of Jesus is still enough. 
the news isn't going to tell us that the Afghan church is exploding right now in the midst of persecution. It's the nature of the church. It's the way the church was born, man. It, like, add a little persecution and it blows up. I don't know why that is. There, there's things happening. The kingdom of God is still advancing. Jesus is not losing. Some of you need to be reminded of that. Today. Jesus is not losing. And we have to be able to shake that off. We have to come to a place where we're focusing, where we're seeing what's ahead, where we are not distracted by all the other things, or where we're just like, everything is so overwhelming, so I'm just going to go ahead and distract myself. Like, is anybody there? Like Netflix and chill, right? Just binge. You don't even have to do anything. Mindlessly read for hours. Get locked into another world that doesn't have all of this mess in it. Scroll through social media mindlessly. Work on anything else except for using your brain to think or praise or focus on what's ahead, right? Because it, that's that, that flight. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and, like, run away from all of this. But I want to look at several passages of Scripture today where we just kind of see how the people of God responded in the midst of, like, hard stuff. When it looked like the enemy was advancing, when it looked like there was no hope, when it looked like this would be the end. And yet it wasn't. And so I'm going to start in Exodus chapter 14. And this is uh, right when the people of God are leaving Egypt. So they've been slaves. And they have been not treated fairly or well. And they've been crying out for God to come and deliver them. So God hears them and he chooses a man named Moses to go to, to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And there's like this whole back and forth interaction because uh, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He's the king of Egypt. And he's like, you're not taking all these people. Like the, the, Egypt, uh, the, the Israelites were starting to outnumber the Egyptians. That's a lot of slaves, right? And so he's like, you're not taking those people. They are doing some good work for me. And so they have this thing back and forth. And God sends plagues on, uh, on the Egyptians. And it's crazy to even think about what that would be like. And uh, finally, on the last day, the angel of death comes over and the firstborn male of every household, including all the animals, dies. And it's, an, it's the tipping point. And Pharaoh gets up in the middle of the night and says, get out. Take your people and leave. And so the Israelites, they go ahead, they, they pack up their stuff. They go ahead and pack up all the Egyptian stuff uh, and totally plunder them. And they head out. Like we're talking 600,000 men plus women and children. You know, sometimes when we read the story of Exodus, we think it's like the group of like, you know, 80, 80 people are walking through the desert. And we're like, not like we're talking larger, like than the population of Midland and Odessa people leaving a nation. And so they're on the move. And as they're fleeing, in the middle of the night, Pharaoh goes, ah, you know, that wasn't a good idea. What did we just do? So he's like, okay, all the chariots, 
all you guys, my whole army, get ready. We're taking these guys back. That was dumb. This was a bad idea. So they are pursuing them. And in verse 10, now, God told Moses, hey, Pharaoh's heart is going to harden. He's going to come after you. So, so he tells Moses this. But in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave? Didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't I tell you? When we were still in Egypt, I told you this would happen. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Okay, can I just say, people have been the same forever. It's not new. It's not just like, oh, the Democrats, oh, the Republicans, oh, the fussy millennials. They're so fragile. Listen to the, these are the people of God. This is all your fault. I know we prayed for a deliverance, but I didn't want it to be like this. So it's you. I told you this would happen. They're just whiny. This isn't a new, this isn't a new problem in our culture. Okay. This is like age old second book of the Bible right here. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. See, when people are getting all riled up, sometimes we just need to be like, hey, calm down. Take it down a notch. The Lord is still fighting for you. I know that with your eyes, you can only see the enemy advancing. And that's terrifying. But I need you to just calm down. Because the Lord is going to obliterate this enemy. Now, Moses didn't even know how. (laughs) The next part is my favorite. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. See, sometimes... When the enemy is surrounding us like a flood, when the enemy is coming after us in our mind, in our hearts, in our world, when all we're seeing is fear and panic and pain and destruction and all of those things, sometimes it's not the time to just stand still and do nothing and watch the enemy take ground. Sometimes the Lord is just going to say, hey, calm down, now get moving. I've already made the way. Start moving. And this is like one of the most epic stories in the Bible. I hope we get to, I hope we get to watch like film in heaven so we can see what this really looked like. 
Because God's like, get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so that Israelites can walk through in the middle of the sea on dry ground. And it says the sea pulled back like big walls. And the entire Israelite camp, a ton of people, walked through on dry ground to the other side. And of course, you know, the Israelites go after them. I'm thinking, have you ever noticed that the enemies are never very smart? Like bad guys just aren't very smart. They don't always use their head because I'm thinking you've just lived through like all these plagues that ended with death. You've had like darkness, you've had frogs, you've had locusts, you've had water turned into blood. Like we're talking nasty You've had boils all over yourself, all this supernatural stuff happening as you've been against these people. You let them go, then you pursue them. Do you know what happens? It's not just like they're pursuing them and and Moses parts the sea and they go. There's like a whole night's worth where the cloud, the pillar of cloud that was leading them actually goes behind them to separate them and the Israelites. And it says it's clouds and then at night it turns to fire. And like that would be enough that I'm gonna be like, Pharaoh, man, I'm trying to serve you, but peace out because I think this isn't gonna end well for us because like think about a giant supernatural fire burning between the people you're pursuing and you in the lens of everything you've already gone through. Not smart. But the Israelites, they just go ahead and go in on, or the the Egyptians, they just go ahead and walk into the Red Sea also, which then Moses is like, raises his staff, water covers them. They're they're completely washed away. It says like the bodies were washing up on the river, on on the edge of the water. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The enemy you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. See, when the enemy's on the move, God is always advancing his people and his kingdom. So this isn't a time for arguing, for quitting, for avoiding, or stalling out. See, it's a time to move forward. As things become increasingly uncomfortable, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and what is ahead. The temptation right now for all of us is to be like, why can't it just be like it was before? I remember the days before COVID was a thing. Can we just go back there? I remember we're not going back. There are things happening in our world that are changing it forever. We're living in historical moments that will be markers where things shift, I believe, for the economy, for the church, for all kinds of things. I'm not saying that to be political or fearful, but I'm going to say we have to, we can't just stop and and we can't make our goal backwards. We can't say we're just going to, I'm just going to bury my head in the sand until all this is over and then we can go back to the way it was. 
We're not going there. We can be like the Israelites and we can just complain about all the current situation. But we're still not going backwards. See, we have to set our eyes on the things of he- ahead to say, where is the church going? What is God doing? Looking backwards and wishing for slavery over freedom because of comfort kept the Israelites from walking into promise. They told Moses multiple times, why couldn't you have just left us as slaves? That's a pretty bad place to be in. And yet there's sometimes when we find ourselves thinking the same thing. Because the new is uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. It's annoying. But we have, to, we have to keep our eyes forward. We can't just keep looking back and wishing for what was. It will keep us from the promise ahead. We, we serve a God who's so good. Do you think he doesn't have something amazing in store for his church, for his people, for you personally? You think that your best days are gone? I don't care how old you are in here. They're not. The best is yet to come. It's ahead of you. Jesus is moving his church. Man, is it uncomfortable? Yes. Will it get more uncomfortable? Probably so. Do I know what the the future of the church in the United States is? Absolutely not. Is that a little scary? Yes, it is. But I know it's good. Because I serve a good God. Who's always leading me to the promised land. And if I will focus if I will guard my heart against all of the chatter and all of the things that my heart can complain about, if I can focus and follow him, I will walk into promise. Not, not strolling along easily. Man, you look at the, you look at the Israelites, they, got, they walked into the promised land. What's the first thing they had to do? They had to go to war. They had to fight. But it was the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. It was their inheritance. It was so good. Let it not be said of God's people today what was said of the Israelites back then. Man, I don't want, I don't want to, if there's a book written about the church today, is it going to say the same things? And then the Israelites were whining again. And then the Christians were fighting with each other again. And then the Christians in the United States complained again because their comfort was infringed upon. I mean, maybe the church, maybe we should stop fighting with each other. I mean,
mean, I, like, I'm appalled. Not at any of you. I, I hope you're not acting this way. I haven't seen anything from you. But I'm talking about the church in general. I'm appalled watching people who are believers fight and belittle one another over a vaccine. When the church in Afghanistan is dying for their faith this week, what in the actual world is happening? What if we stopped fighting with each other and we started fighting for each other? What if we started shifting our focus from how all of our rights are being taken away and all the conspiracy theories and all the things of, that are happening? And what if we were just like on our faces before God? I have prayed for the church in Afghanistan, but half of my prayer is me on my face saying, God, give me what those believers have. Give me that kind of courage. That when there, a note shows up on your door that says, I know where you are and we're coming for you this week, that we say, at the end of the week, I'm going to be with my Savior. Does that do something to your heart? Sometimes we need that, that perspective of like, that's the gospel. That's the gospel working. That's the good news working. It gives us something bigger than just what's here in front of us. See, they're engaging on a whole different level can guarantee you the church in Afghanistan right now is not arguing about vaccines. They're not throwing fits because of the government. Man, they're, they're like in it, you know. They're just serving Jesus. And they're trying to give the gospel to as many people as they can before their lives are taken. And they're doing it gladly. Jesus, give us some of that. Give us some of that. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. See, there's still hope. There's still purpose. There's still hope for America. There's still hope for the church here. There's still hope in your life. There's still purpose in your life. In this day and age, in the middle of everything we face, we still have purpose. We still have hope. So let's focus on it. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's take our eyes off of all the things that have vied for our attention. And let's guard our heart against distraction and focus in and look forward saying, God, what are you doing? Where are you taking us? What are you saying? And the second thing is praise. And every time that I've preached this year, I have tried to say, I'm going to give you a weapon, right? Because we are fighting in some crazy times and our fights should not be against people. Your fight should not, you should not be fighting with people. In God's word, it says, our, we, we fight against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spirits. And so there's weapons that you can use as a believer. So we, we talked about the weapon of communion at the beginning of the year and remembering Jesus' sacrifice. We've talked about the weapon of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And John is uh, going to be launching into a new series here on worship. And I want to just tell you that praise is a weapon. 
Your praise is a weapon. And it's so powerful. We're going to look at another uh, place where the people of God are uh, in, in a tough spot. Have you noticed that seems to be just a theme through the whole Bible? So it might be a theme here too. Second um, Chronicles 20. This story is so cool, you guys. I hope some of you have never heard it and you get to just be blown away today by it. Second Chronicles 20. All right, so the leader of the Israelites here is Jehoshaphat. And he gets news that all of these armies from surrounding nations are joining forces together to come against him and the people of God. So they hear these people are coming to you, right? Messengers come and they tell Jehoshaphat, a vast army is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already on their way. Okay, so in verse 20, verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You're the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You're powerful and mighty. And he's praying, declaring who God is and saying, help us. This is not good news. We need your help. And so they're all gathered and he's just declaring who the Lord is, giving him praise, asking for wisdom. In verse 13, as all of the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. Okay. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Does this sound familiar to something that we've just read? Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness. But you will not even need to fight. You see the theme here? Just stand still. The Lord, your God, will fight for you. Take your positions and then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And then King Jehoshaphat bowed down low with his face on the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. So early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness. Oh my goodness, you guys, listen to this. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his promise and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers 
to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they said. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. All right, so here's the army, okay? There is this vast army made up of lots of nations coming against them. The king's like, hold on for a second. Let's remember who we are. And now I need the singers. You guys are gonna go ahead and go in the front of all the people with the weapons, all right? So you guys just go ahead and sing. We're gonna sing the lovely song give thanks to the lord his faithful love endures forever as we march into battle not my first choice of battle plan you know i'm like huh, i want the big guys with all their weapons and we're taking it this is his plan listen to this verse at the very moment they began to sing and give praise the lord caused the armies of ammon Uh, Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. They turned against their allies and killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. What in the actual world? The very moment they began to sing, the enemy armies lost their minds and started killing each other. So they're just singing, give thanks to the Lord, you know faithful love endures forever and they come up they're like oh everybody's dead (laughs) at the very moment they began to sing and give praise to the lord the tide was turned your praise is a weapon your praise is a weapon Because it makes the enemy super confused. Because it doesn't make sense to have everything going wrong in my life and say, I'm going to praise the Lord for his goodness and his faithfulness. It doesn't make sense when you're going through all the things that say God is bad and we sing about his goodness. It just like, the enemy is just like... super confused it's time for the people of god to be the ones confusing the enemy not the enemy confusing the people of god how do you do that with your praise especially in the middle of hard things when we declare how good god is when we sing out when we you can read psalms you can you can just say oh god you're so good See, praise and worship was never meant to just be like a 30-minute set on a, on a Sunday morning. See, praise should be continually flowing out of our hearts, out of our mouths. It can look like singing with the radio, but it can also just look like prayer. It can look like getting up in the morning and being like, oh, man, I feel old today. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. 
Thank you for your strength in my body. Thank you that you're my healer. Thank you that you're the one who gives this, this body strength. Man, I know some of you in the house are doing that every day. Every day you're just praising God above your pain. And it's a weapon for you that makes no sense. But the principles found right here, when the very moment they started to sing and praise, the enemies turned on each other. Your praise is a weapon. Oh, I can't say it enough. Your praise is a weapon. Start praising. When you don't feel like it, start praising. When everything looks bad, start praising. Remind yourself of who God is. Man, sometimes we just need to remember, God, this is what you've done for me. You've been so faithful. I've been reading Psalm 107 just over and over. It's, it's like a cool psalm. I like it in, in every translation. I, I've read it in multiple translations this week. And all it is is it's just like testimony after testimony. It's like, and these people went out to sea, and then they were being swallowed up by the waves, and they were being crashed, and they said, Lord, help me, and you came. Let us sing about the faithful love of the Lord that lasts forever, for you come to save your people, right? And then it's like, and these people who were so stubborn and went out and did their own thing in spite of what you were saying and got themselves in a mess, cried out to you, and you came and you saved them. And so, Lord, let us declare the goodness of who you are and your faithful love forever. And it's going through all these scenarios, and I'm like, yeah, I've been all those. That time when I went and did my own thing and I had to cry out to the Lord for help and he was faithful and he came. And that time when I thought I was drowning and I cried out to the Lord and he came and he showed up. And that time that I was sick and I couldn't get over it and I cried out to the Lord and he healed me. And that time, see, you can think of all of these things and as you begin, you then it's like, oh, so why would the Lord not be faithful now? So let my heart pray. See, it just, it just keeps going. That's why, like, you read the Psalms, and sometimes they're just repeating, because it's like the more you remember of who he is, the more it's like, yes, let us give praise to the Lord, right? I love Psalm 34. It says, his praise will always be on my lips. Come and exalt the Lord with me. I cried out to him, and he delivered me from all my fears. It's the psalm that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We sang that this morning. There's power in your praise, and not just for you. Your praise is a weapon. But your praise can be a weapon for someone else. We're going to look at one more place, and then we're going to be done. In Acts chapter 16. Your praise is a weapon. Man, even the whiny Israelites, after they cross the Red Sea, the whole next chapter of the Bible is a song of deliverance that they sing to the Lord. So sometimes our praise is happening after the amazing things, and sometimes our praise needs to happen before. The point is, praise should always be on your lips. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you see around you. All right, so 
In Acts chapter 16, uh, let's see, starting in verse 16, I'm not going to read everything, but basically what's happening is we have two guys named Paul and Silas, and they are, uh, they're visiting a city. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell uh, the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. And she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. She is a complete distraction. Even though she's saying something good, there's like a spirit here working that is not from the Lord. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated. That just gives me, don't you love when you read about people who feel exasperated in the Bible? And then you're like, I've been there. Um, He's so exasperated. He turns and says to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Now, this is bad news because her master's hope of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace. And there's a mob that forms, all right, quickly forms against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet with stocks. So Paul and Silas here are just preaching the good news. And this girl who's demonized, who's been following them around for days, being a distraction, Paul's finally had enough. So he's like, yeah, no more. People get so enraged that they have them severely beaten. You ha- so you have, this is where we, we start here. Paul and Silas are in prison, severely beaten with their feet in stocks in the inner dungeon for casting out a demon. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I hope that would be me. I I can't imagine their bodies hurt. And where are they? They're singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here. And the jailer called for lights, and he ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought him out and said, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? Now Paul and Silas... after being beaten, are in prison, singing 
hymns and praises to God. They're lifting up the name of Jesus. And I've always found it very interesting here that it wasn't just their jail cell that opened. Like, we have compassion for these guys, right? Like, man, they were thrown in. They didn't really do anything. They actually did this girl a favor. Sorry about the master's wealth, but, like, you know, think about this girl's life. But when you think about all the other people that were in prison, maybe they're rightfully so. What in the world is going on? Their praise opened someone else's prison door. See, sometimes our praise is not just for us. Sometimes our praise can open someone else's prison. It said every prison door flew open. The other miracle is that they all stayed too. But see, signs and wonders... Make way for the gospel to be heard. I think it's so interesting that the first thing the jailer does is like, tell me how to be saved. He doesn't say, why did you stay? He doesn't say, oh, good, you're here. He doesn't say, oh, lock him up again. He just falls on his face and says, how, how, do I be, how, how can I be saved? The, the, whole jail, the whole jailer's family gets saved. They all hear the gospel. The jailer takes them home, and it says he helps, like, bind their wounds and you know, like makes them feel better. And it's all because of their praise. See, your praise is a weapon for yourself and for those around you. We cannot neglect the power of community, especially in this time. Sometimes your praise is going to be what unleashes something else in another person's heart. Now more than ever, God's people need to praise We need to be reminding ourselves and other people about his faithfulness, about what he's done, about how good he is, about how worthy he is. More now than ever, we need to be in the word of God. We need to be strengthening ourselves. We need to be releasing that to other people. We need to be singing. Even if it's just a joyful noise coming out of your mouth, right? Praise is powerful. I experienced this last week. I, I, uh, we were in the middle of worship last week, and I had this, this moment with the Lord where he just came and he just began refreshing me. But it was like I felt like I was reminded of the power of community because I was just so, like, undone by God. I couldn't even sing the songs. And it was like the Lord was saying, let the praise of the people refresh you. And I just sat there and I could hear you guys singing and praising and it was doing something in my heart. See, there's power in community. There's power to praise with one another, for each other, as we go ahead. Sometimes it looks like, I can't do this anymore and i need you right i had that moment today already (laughs) i had that moment already I, i i went back and said i need you to pray for me i'm hot mess i need you to help 
I need you to, to speak some truth so that I can like refocus, right? Because sometimes it's not just about like, we're just going to, we're going to make it through here. We're just going to muster it up. We're going to, I can do this. I can figure this out. I know I'm dry. I know whatever, right? I see the enemy all around me, but by gosh, I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to just do it. How many of you sometimes have been in that place? Like, I'll just do it in my own strength. It's fine. It's not. It's not fine. We have to focus on what God is saying and doing. And when we can't get there by ourselves, we can reach out. And we have to be people of praise. And when you can't, ask somebody else to praise for you and with you. Ask them to remind you. Tell me what God has done again. All I can see is death. All I can see is pain. All I can see is fear. All I can see is anxiety. That's all I can feel in the atmosphere right now. Find somebody who will help shift it for you. Find somebody who will remind you of the goodness of God, of what he's saying, of what he's doing. Have them tell you about ways that he's moving right now that we're not hearing. Because God is good. We serve a good God who cares about his people. Even in the midst of this crazy fallen world that's getting crazier every day, God has set his people in a place and said, you can live in hope and peace and joy. You can have eyes to see what I'm doing and you can have a mouth that praises me as a weapon. And as you march forward in praise, you will watch your enemies scatter. You will watch them turn on each other. Sometimes you just need to be reminded, hey, calm down and let the Lord fight for you. Bring it down and watch the Lord bring victory in your life. It will be so good. It will be so good. And it's not about you working it up. It's about you living in a place where you're connected to Jesus, being strengthened by his word and giving him all the praise he deserves. And that in turn will strengthen you. Let's stand this morning. I want to pray over you. I, I just sensed so deeply that the Lord just like wanted to break hopelessness off of you. Some of you are super aware of it. And some of you might just be like, yeah, I've, I, like if I take a step back, I realize that I've actually partnered with that. And I think that there's no hope right now. And I also just sense that the Lord wants to just release some refreshing to you. Maybe you're just tired. I just believe that the Lord is going to impart some fresh strength to you and some perspective that refreshes your heart. He's going to just like adjust. I, 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 I get this sense. Have you ever seen a Rubik's Cube? Man, those things are infuriating unless you know how to do them. But it makes a certain noise if you've ever played with them you can hear the click. There's like, a, there's like a sound of the spinning of a Rubik's Cube. I wish I had one right now. That's, I, I, I sense that in the spirit. See, a Rubik's Cube is all like completely messed up, but there's a strategy that you can learn that will align all of the colors again. And it doesn't matter how messed up it is, 
the strategy works every time. It always puts it back together. And I, I, I get this sense in the spirit. It's kind of like just something that I'm hearing of like, man, some of us are standing in this room and we feel like the messed up Rubik's Cube. <laughs> there are things broken. There are things out of place. There are things not lining up. There's all this stuff. And I want you to feel the hope surge through your heart that the Lord is beginning to align all that, that's been messed up. That God has a strategy for you. And it doesn't matter how messed up it is. It works every time. Right, Cooper? Give Cooper your Rubik's Cube. If you have tried it and it's a mess on your dresser, bring it to Cooper. He knows. You know the strategy. It works every time. No matter how messed up the cube is. And Jesus is the same way. He's saying, hey, stay calm. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to get this all back into alignment for you. See, I have a strategy. There's nothing too far gone in your world, in your mind, in your life, in your health, in your bones. And so as I pray, I wanted to give you that picture. I believe that's what the Lord is doing this morning for his people is just bringing, bringing that alignment where it's all, it's all fitting back together. So Jesus, right now, we invite you to come and do your work. God, I thank you that you always have a strategy for victory for your people. Even in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of polarizing arguments, in the midst of division, in the midst of death, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of day after day, in the middle of anxiety attacks and panic. God, you always have a way where you're working to align us to come back to hope and joy and peace. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I break off any hopelessness off of your hearts and minds in Jesus name. I break off anxiety in the name of Jesus. For those of you who have lived so afraid because of COVID, because of vaccines, because of what's charging the atmosphere, I break that off of you in Jesus' name. And I declare rest and refreshing over you. I say be still in your spirit in Jesus' name. Stay calm and watch the Lord fight for you. Watch him be your defender. Lord, thank you for awakening our hearts, for awakening our minds. God, that for those of us...